Hello there. Thanks so much for checking out the Articulum podcast with Ben and Jacob. Absolute pleasure to have you listening. And honestly, we've got a great podcast lined up for you today. Coming up, we're going to be reviewing the Umbrella Academy season two, which is on Netflix. How to Build a Girl on Amazon Prime. Uh, we also had our classic film watch in the form of Babe, which, by the way, Ben, I absolutely loved. Uh, we are film. also going to be reviewing Summerland, which is out now in cinemas. Um, plus, we are also going to be talking about Muppets Now on Disney+. Plus. Should we get right into the news, Ben? Oh, I think we should. I mean, this has got some really interesting things happening this week. Not least, Disney making another colossal mistake, which I've got a rant about. Yeah, so Ben is going to have a massive rant of Disney+. Plus. As usual, let's be honest, we're not huge Disney Plus fans here. Other than Star Wars, it's um, proving to be pretty unsuccessful and pretty shocking. Yeah, we're, we're big Netflix dudes over here. We are big Netflix fans. They could just uh, so sponsor the pod. Yeah, starting off uh, the news then, Netflix have ordered the Witcher prequel uh, series Blood Origin, which is... Very exciting, isn't it? You love the you love the first Witcher, didn't you? I no? thought the wi- oh. Witcher season one was okay. I think it could get very good, and anything Henry Cavill's in is usually great. So it's got good things. The same creative team are joining the Blood Origin prequel. Not much is known about it, but it's set in the world of the Witcher, so it could be Do interesting. Do we know how long it's set before? Uh, I read six thousand years. Oh, wow. Okay. So I thought it's, you were going to say 10 years. Bit off. No, like, I don't think there'll be any of the same characters. But obviously, oh, right. The Witcher was books and video games, and it's a huge franchise before the TV series. Am I right in thinking there's a ride called The Witcher at Alton Towers? Yeah, I feel like there probably is a theme park ride named after it. It's a huge franchise. Yeah. They've got, it's like yeah. um, Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. You can mine so much from it. And I think. Netflix just knows they've got a huge hit on their hand with that and want to capitalise on it because yeah, they're smart. Yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah, and now on to something else that could be a huge show for Netflix. Um, their third show with Ryan Murphy um, called Ratchet has released its trailer and a few set photos and it looks brilliant. The show is a, a kind of prequel origin story of Nurse Mildred Ratched from the iconic film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And Ratched, Nurse Ratched, I kind of feel that's a name now for when people are like, oh, that's you've taken so bad care for me, or like all bad nurses and Nurse Ratched. And she's like one of those iconic villains of cinema. So I'm really excited to see Ryan Murphy's fresh take on her. He's cast his favourite, Sarah Paulson in the lead. You've also got Sharon Stone taking her first few roles in years. And it, the cast is stacked with all the people you love from American Horror Story. So I think this is going to be a huge hit. And it's out in September. We will undoubtedly talk about it then more. So as you can tell, uh, Netflix really capitalising on their previous success. Mm. Ben, I'm going to let you read this next story because I know you feel very passionate about it. So, Listeners, be warned. So last week we mentioned that Mulan had been taken off the cinema schedule by Disney and they have officially announced they're launching it on Disney Plus. But But. there is a twist and it's an almighty twist. People aren't just going to have to pay like 10 quid for it or £7.50 which is what I class a good amount to pay to buy a film online. $30. Like, really? Hang on, let's just let that sink in. You're already subscribing to Disney Plus. 
a new film comes out on Disney Plus, which very rarely happens, and you're going to have to pay $30 for it. I mean, depending on where you live, that's either double a cinema ticket or six times a cinema ticket. It's somewhere in that max. So um, it's really outrageous and i think it's going to flop and it's going to flop for everyone because and i think it's not going to do disney plus any favors whatsoever no it's not it's not going to do disney it's just going to annoy people if anything so here's what's going to happen everyone loses from this people like you and me who wanted to watch that film will either not watch the film or we'll have to pay I'm, I'm not paying for it. I'm not I'm paying not... 30 quid for it. No. Or you'll have to pay 30 or 40 quid. It means people, lots of people won't be able to afford to watch the film. It means lots of cinemas will shut because they don't have a blockbuster release date coming out soon because Disney wouldn't let this film bomb on the service. It means that instead of paying your local cinema five quid to watch a film, you're going to now start paying Amazon, Apple, Google, Disney 15 quid. So you're not helping actual people and Disney are going to make less money from this than if they had risked putting it out in cinemas. But it's because of COVID. It's really sad and I have no respect. It's really annoying. I'm really annoyed. Yeah, it really annoyed me. But at least when this film completely flops, we can all laugh at Disney for being idiots. Bob Chapanek, their new CEO, seemingly made a few big mistakes recently since Bob Iger's gone. Rant done. Rant done. Let's talk about something I actually like now. (laughs) Yes, so the Umbrella Academy season two has just dropped on Netflix. Ben, you've watched this. Were you a fan? Uh, Yeah, I was a fan. I binged the whole show in about 10 hours. So, uh, well, the show is 10 hours, but I binged it in a couple of days. Um, (laughs) The second, the first season dropped about last month, last, last March, and it was a huge hit for Netflix. It made 40 million households watched it in the first month. It was one of their top viewed series and it felt like a cultural moment. And the second season picks up right after the cliffhanger on the first season where they've all transported each other's back, all the family transported back to 1960s Dallas. Um, All six of the team are separated throughout the year, but they're all in the same kind of county. And number five finds out there's going to be another doomsday threat or more likely it's followed them into the 1960s so i think this show finally found its tone i mean first off the soundtrack makes the show worth watching alone i've kept listening to the soundtrack no it sounds like such a ridiculous thing to mention first but watch the show for the soundtrack no the show's so much more. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people watch Black Panther for the soundtrack. Yeah, I watch Black Panther for the soundtrack, but the people That'd who made the great. De- yeah, the people who made the decisions soundtrack. behind what to play on the Umbrella Academy too. It really works, and every song is so well chosen. And it's one of those things that it's only a small thing, but it can really elevate a show, and it helped yeah. the show find its audio visual identity. That's why the second season was such a big step up, because the humour, the action, the plot all kind of found what the Umbrella Academy should do. And it kept or it kept me engaged more than the first season, which was kind of a bit up and downy. I mean, so you've written here, Ben, that this is not your typical superhero show, uh, which is good. That's really interesting to me, because obviously, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you all know that I'm a big Arrowverse fan. 
but I would actually be kind of looking for something a little bit different. So maybe uh, the Umbrella Academy is uh, my way forward. Yeah, so the Umbrella Academy and The Boys especially, which are the two shows I've watched recently, they're kind of superhero shows, but they're kind of funnier, they're darker, they take themselves less seriously, and they kind of can hit more political beats, which means the stories are better, more well-rounded than the Arrowverse shows which I'm not dunking on the Arrowverse. You love them. It's good enjoyment. But they do... I, I love some of them. They do, what, 20 series... They do 20-episode series, and they sometimes... Uh, I think some are, like, 15, some are 23. It depends. Yeah, and you feel like... Or particularly when I watch them, I often feel I like... I hate filler episodes. Yeah, I feel like oh. there's a lot of filler episodes. But with yeah, The Boys and The Umbrella Academy, because they're both by streaming services, I felt like every episode had a plot point, and particularly in the second series... The whole plot was so succinct and smart and timely and well plotted out. And the cast is great. I mean, I can... So what are you going to give that, Ben? Are you going to give that a must-watch, watch if you can, or a runaway? Oh, the second season is a complete must-watch. You could probably even skip the first season. So you don't need to have watched season one. Will you be confused? Well, Netflix does that good three-minute uh, recap video. Previously. Yeah. yeah, I really like those three-minute recap videos. And it tells you just about everything you need to know. And you can just get into the funness of Klaus having a cult around him. So uh, <laughs> you should watch what the would show, you give Jacob. Season one? Would you give season one a must watch as well? No, season one was definitely watch if you can. I agree. Season one was rocky. So as you can tell, the Umbrella Academy have really uh, stepped up on season mm. two. One of the best Over now to shows. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime have released How to Build a Girl. Yeah, so it was a film. It probably would have got a cinematic release, but you know what? It's great over here. It's written by uh, Caitlin Morgan, or it's based off her book. You know that person who writes columns in the... Um, it's written by Caitlin Moran, who's a journalist and a columnist. And you've probably read some of her stuff. And if you don't follow her on Twitter... I she's... don't know if you're talking to me. You know I'm not a huge reader, so I assume you're talking to the listeners. I am talking to the listeners. She writes in The Times. She also, if you, she does that celebrity watch column, which is always quite fun to read. And she's great on Twitter, if you don't follow her there. Anyway, oh, this... I love, I love a good uh, stalk on Twitter, you know. Oh, yeah, just follow Caitlin Moran. She has so many smart comments about the people in power. But anyway, about what... <laughs> She's a, as a writer, she wrote a book called How to Build a Girl, which has now been adapted into the show. And it's based off her life. Um, it, charts the, it charts the journey of teenager Joanna Morrigan, who's played excellently by the brilliant Beanie Fieldstein, who reinvents herself as Dolly Wilde, a fast-talking lady sex adventurer who moves to London, gets a job as a music critic as she tries to leave her poverty-stricken life in Wolverhampton. I mean... It does hit all the usual coming-of-age traits. Can I just say, it sounds mental. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. Like, it just, yeah. I think on paper, it could have been a lot of fun, and it could have been more fun than it actually was. Oh, really? I just, I felt it hit all the coming-of-age tropes, but they wanted it to be more, and it could have been more, and it could have been, like, Booksmart or Ladybird, which Beanie Fieldstein's also in, which just feel like they've elevated the genre, whereas I just felt this... They're slightly flat, it's slightly tacky, they make certain decisions that um, for me didn't work. So for example, there are lots of characters who are playing famous authors on her rule. I think Emma Thompson's one, Melon Sewer one, 
lots of these famous actors are playing kind of famous writers all in like pictures on the wall and all of these comedic performances fell flat for me. The costumes felt like what people think people wear in the 80s but not what people actually wore. And I thought, like, this we went to. Were you at that eighties do that was at school? I was at that school eighties do. Yeah, that that was shocking, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's that thing where you know when you watch something and you're like, oh, that people are just wearing what everyone thinks you wear in the eighties. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look real. And also, this is a really yeah. small thing, but this is a film about a music critic. So you would have hoped for like better use of music. Oh, I Do you would think have... they didn't have the budget to get some really good music, maybe? No, it's not just that, but I think that they could have had some more inspired choices. It just felt a bit flat. However, Beanie Fieldstein, as always, she's brilliant. If there's any reason to watch the film, it's her. She manages, for the most part, to pull off a Wolverhampton accent, which for an American deserves, like, a lot of credit. Oh, wow. No, that... Fair play to her. Yeah, fair play to her. I mean, it's not always perfect, and I think... I've not spent that much time up there, but I can tell when she slightly gets it wrong and then you're a bit pulled out of the story. But you she's... know, the biggest, the biggest fail of a uh, an American, no offence to you, our American listeners, love you all, uh, the biggest fail of an accent is in Mary Poppins. Yeah, the Dick guy Van Dyke. Po- she's <laughs> not doing it. a full Dick Van Dyke. But to be fair, Americans His never... His accent is shocking. Americans can't do British accents and they think they can and it's hilarious. But I often think, I often think we're very posh and we all talk like this and we, we drink tea all day. I don't even like tea. They either go too posh or your typical Cockney, but over Cockney it. All right, governor. Yeah, they, they really can't do the accents, but Beanie Fieldstein really committed to it. And you know what? She's going to be one of those names who everyone knows in 20, 30 years time. And I am down to watch her forever so what are you gonna give this movie obviously you're a huge fan of beanie but i assume she didn't carry the whole movie it's a watch if you can i mean i'm a huge fan of beanie i'm a huge fan of caitlin but i would rather read through caitlin moran's twitter account than watch the film based off her book which is probably quite telling yeah it does um it does say a lot but hey it's a watch if you can so anyway do you you want to lead our classic film watch of the Oscar Best Picture-nominated movie, Babe. Yes. So uh, every other week, uh, Ben and I both go away and we watch a classic film. Now, uh, this week, we actually watched Babe, which I absolutely love. So Babe is an orphan pig. Uh, Babe learns to herd sheep after Arthur Hoggett, a farmer, wins him in a contest at a country fair. However, Rex... Hoggett's lead sheepdog does not like Babe. So this movie is is filled from beginning to end with marvellous images. And it's just a charming film, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I love how you took my two (laughs) notes and I'd wrote Jacob's thoughts and you took my two notes there. But it's so so sweet. It just made me smile. Yeah, no, it was was really good. I really liked it. I, um, I was thinking, are all the... The animals, is it all, like, animated? Yeah, I I didn't really work it out. I think this bit involves... It so real. Like, the background and that, okay, like, the hills and the farm. That looked, yeah, you could tell that was a green screen. But the actual animals themselves, I was like, are they just filming actual animals? I think like, they might I have filmed actual really animals. Impressed. I mean, we went through a period where 
just about every single film had a talking pig. You had the two Babe films, you had Charlotte's Web. This also would have been the time of the Lion King. You know, going into this film, going into this film, I, like, had both films in mind, like Babe and Charlotte's Web, but they were kind of, like, mixed together. Yeah. So, like, that's what, when you said, oh, Babe, I wasn't sure what it was. And then I thought, oh, Charlotte's Web. And I'd actually got the two confused and just merged them together. But no, nevertheless. No, Babe's the better film. And it came out, like, I'm really interested by this film because it came out in that mid-90s where the Oscars nominated really weird films for best picture i mean this wasn't nominated but the next this was nominated the next year the full monty gets in lots of these non-typical oscar films managed to sneak in there for just being good films i mean beauty and the beast the animated movie got in a few years before it and for a kid's film to get some of the top oscars very well played and it deserved them. No, I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was quite nice, really, wasn't it? Quite a nice, fun watch. Off the top of my head, I think the other four films nominated that year were Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction and The Shawshank Redemption. Hey, not this Forrest Gump. I love Forrest Gump. Yeah, I know, but if you look at the year it was nominated, the other four films are all often come up on top of those best films of all time lists, and then there's just Babe. Which is the kids' film about talking Well, the thing is, on pig. the on the doc, Ben, you've written it as Beeb. Have I? Oh, B E B E. Oh well, thank God we both watched it, <laughs> so that then we both know it's actually Babe, and I just can't spell. So yeah, I'm gonna give Babe uh, a watch if you can, because you're not missing out by not watching it. But at the same time, it's a nice fun watch, particularly if you've got little ones. Yeah, if you've give got a watch with them. You've got little kids, and I think we're about to go into a second lockdown. Maybe put Babe on. It'll cheer you yeah. up. And you'll like it as well, mm. you know? It's a film for the adults as much as the kids. Yeah. And next yeah, week... It's, uh, it's nice. Next week, we've got a film that I think is going to challenge both of us. It's oh, Howl's really? Moving Castle. Castle. It's an... Howl's Moving Castle. What is it's, that? It's like one of those anime... No, not anime... Yeah, it's Japanese animation. It's by Studio. I can't remember their name. Why have you picking, why have you chosen this, Ben? Uh, because it's its fifteenth anniversary. It was nominated for best animation. Have you ever watched it before? I haven't watched it before, but I've known lots of people who rave about it, and I just think uh, it'll be an interesting conversation because I know neither of us have ever really watched films like it. No. No, mm. I have not. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll give it a try. I'll watch it for this podcast. Because yeah. um, we're both and, committed. Uh, we'll see, um, we'll we'll see, see what, what we, both we think, think of that, I guess. So, Ben, you've been to the cinema. Yeah, no, I have, I think. How was it? Well, I haven't... Did you have to wear a mask? Um, I, You do have to wear a mask. Or I, don't, I don't know. I actually got sent this film. I didn't go to the cinema to watch it. You oh so yeah um, very interesting. Uh, the film is called Summerland. Um, I I do want to go to the cinema soon. It's happening, but I watched this film at home. Uh, the film is about Alice, who is a reclusive writer resigned to a solitary life on the seaside cliffs of South Southern England uh, while in World War Two rages across the Channel. Uh, one day when she opens her front door, she finds a young London evacuee named Frank. Uh, who she has to take in. It's not long, however, before the two realise they have common pasts and which Alice had assumed. Uh, the film stars Gemma Arterton, 
Giba Mabi for Raw, who's an amazing actress in everything, if you've seen her in The Morning Show, and acting legend Tom Courtney. And the film, they tried to sell this movie as, like, intensely, emotionally, loves endurance, trying time, all of that typical stuff. It's a film your grandparents will go and see, which is probably not good to have been released in the height of COVID. I mean, the first note I wrote here was, oh dear. I mean, yeah. as much you weren't as, a fan then. As much as I want people to get back into the cinemas, I just don't think this is the film. I think you'd much better to try and watch something like The Matrix when the cinemas are showing them in there, or all the classic films they're showing. I just don't think it stands or up. Or the film Disney's released on Disney Plus. Yeah, or Mulan, which would have made much better, or Tenant would have made a much better film for people to come in. I mean, it just feels a bit PC and a bit woke. And Do you think you would have enjoyed it more watching it on the big screen? Because I know you love going to the cinema, you love a big screen. Obviously, I thought you went to the cinema because yeah. this is released in cinemas. Turned out you actually got sent a copy of it. Yeah. Legally, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. legally. <laughs> legally. You're not using one of them dodgy one, two, three websites. No, no I've um, never, ever used one of those dodgy. No, neither. And also, neither. it's awful if you use them because it means the people in cinemas Shame are actually on you. getting paid. Shame on you if you use one, two, three movies or whatever. Or is it Yes Movies is the other one? Oh, I know I lots of people so. who use them and I slam all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you go around slamming down their laptops like, tote what? Yeah, it. well, it's like, if you're watching it, you're basically not paying for it and the people who should be getting paid for it aren't getting paid for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I fully, yeah, fully but agree I just, with you I But felt... do you think you would have... My point was, do you think you'd have enjoyed it more in the cinema? No. Or do you think it would have... No, been? I just don't think it's a great film. Um, I just felt a bit... preferred it in the cinema? Probably, because every film's better on a big screen. But it just felt yeah, a bit Yeah, but then creepy. also, no, the problem with me, if you go to the cinema and it's a bad film, yeah. I just get so bored, like, and I actually end up hating it. It just felt a bit preachy. It didn't work. Didn't work. Not but the cast is good. The crew's all right. It just, sometimes people you love make films that you don't love. So, it's a, I would say, run away, unless you're a grandmother, because it's probably right <laughs> up your street. A bit stereotyping much there, Ben. Uh, well, no, it's probably that film's. They are probably more That's this their movie's target. Tar- it's the target That's their audience. Tar- I don't think like eighteen-year-old dude is target audience for this film. No, and I wouldn't say you were a dude either, Ben. I'm sorry. Whoa. <laughs> Well, now to the streaming service, Ben and I both love to hate. Ben, you are a dude. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I know. I feel low-key offended. I was like, what? <laughs> No, you are. I'm joking. I'm just winding you up. Back now to Disney Plus. Muppets Now has uh, been released. Ben, what did you think? Um, firstly, I think we should talk about the controversy of Kermit's voice. Have you I heard? Thought the you were going to say the controversy of you saying of me saying that you're not a dude, Dan? I was like, no, oh, no, no, no. Have that. you heard Kermit's voice? No. Because what's it like? Basically. They replaced the actor of Kermit because of Me Too movement, and he just clearly wasn't a nice dude, which kind of ruins everyone's childhood. But basically, the new actor who plays Kermit doesn't sound like Kermit. Oh, dear. And it's not an end-all thing. I watched this with a mate, but we were both a bit put off by the fact it didn't sound like Kermit. And whenever Kermit has been doing the press for this, so he's been on the one show, he's been on the radio, he presented award at the BAFTAs the other night. He's, him not sounding like Kermit is still the show instead of actually people talking about what he wants to promote. 
I mean, the, the series is the Muppets are rushing to upload a new streaming service before their deadline in the kind of way that the Muppets always go slightly meta, if you've seen either of the last two movies they've done this decade. I mean, at its best, it's some great Muppety Muppety bits. Uh, I really like the section with RuPaul, and even though he doesn't, he has a new voice, Kermit is still lovable, he's still Kermit the Frog. That said, I'm not sure if this is just because I'm older than when I was when I was watched The Muppets, but it doesn't translate as well, and it's a bit cringy. I mean, Miss Piggy is kind of annoying. <laughs> She's really annoying, actually. And I don't think it works for adults in the same way it will work for the kids. I think maybe it'll get better. I'm sure it does. But it just didn't quite do what I wanted it to. Um, I'm sure kids love it. Something? What? You loved it? I've, I've never watched The Muppets. What? Yeah. How? I don't know. Just, just I feel like it. this is more of a conversation now. What did you watch as a child <laughs> if you didn't watch The Muppets? You know what? I never watched Lion King, never watched Prince Ali, never watched... Is it Prince Ali? Is that one? Uh, Aladdin. 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 Ne- never watched Aladdin. Um, what did you grow up I never on then? Ice Age, never watched Shrek. Oh my God, you were robbed of a childhood here. <laughs> was I? Yeah, I watched all of those things 101 times when I was younger. But I just don't... Yeah, no, I've never watched them. So do you find, like, when you're just walking around with people, you never get any of the references now? Yeah, no, I never get them. I'm like, Sid, what? And they're like, Ice Age? Haven't you ever watched Ice Age? Oh, no. Ice Age films are surprisingly underrated. We need a live-action Ice Age, which, as Disney now owns the franchise, why not? Um, I mean, that's the sort of thing they're doing, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, I would rather watch a live-action Ice Age than a live-action... Lion King. I've watched. Yeah, I was going to say. I haven't watched the original Lion King. I've seen it in the theatre, London's West End, and I've actually watched the the new one, which I loved. Which I loved, by the way. Did you watch um, Beyonce's new Disney Plus thing that came out mm. this weekend? No, is it a documentary? It's like a visual album. They've described it, and it's like her visual album interpretation of she's done since making the Lion King. It's a spiritual sequel or something. I don't know. It's called Black is that. King. I've heard lots of really good things about it. I'm just not a huge yeah. Beyonce fan, surprisingly. I, I, might, I might give that a watch. So, Ben, what we've learned there is there are a whole lot of movies I need to watch in order to... Including the Muppets. Including the Muppets, but not this Muppets. Not this Muppets, but any What are you Muppets? giving Muppets now, by the way? You've just reviewed it. What are you giving it? I'm going to guess Runaway. Uh, if you're an adult with no kids, Runaway. But... It's the kind of same thing as what did we do earlier? I can't remember. Uh, babe. It's the same as Babe in the fact that um, if we end up in a second lockdown, you're going to have to show your kids something because you can't just homeschool them all day, every day. You're going to need some self-time. And I think this works for that. So, so yeah. yeah, Ben, Muppets now. If you've got kids, whack it on. And uh, we've also discovered that I need to watch all these films. <laughs> ben, just quickly... Have you heard about the Ellen DeGeneres controversy? Yeah. Um, so she's being accused of being a bully. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's yeah, always something slightly off with her. I like her. I like her, but there's always something slightly off, I find, with her. Particularly in recent years. 
Uh, let's talk about a replacement for Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, Who so... Who would you go for? Um, I don't know if they could get her, but I'd go for Ellen Page. No, not... Yeah, Ellen Page. I'm just going to have to Google to check I've got the name right. Um, she's in I the... I saw that Jennifer Anderson's in the running. And Jennifer Aniston Katie wouldn't. Perry as well. Uh, neither of those would do it. But Ellen Page, she's in the Umbrella Academy. She did. Uh, she's done a few really good documentaries recently. And I just think she'd be great for that morning talk show host. I mean, what I don't want them to do is give it to another straight white person. It needs to be another diversity pick. Not See, in a... I was thinking Ruby Rose, maybe. Ruby Rose, I'd watch do it. Um... Who else? Alan Page. But why been... not? Why not Jennifer Anderson or Katy Perry? Because Jennifer Anderson's covered it a few times, and apparently she did very well. Yeah, but they're just a bit plain, and there's a, a bit, bit boring, bit bland, bit safe. You know who the apparently the number one choice is? I've heard it's James Corden. Yeah, I hope it's him. I love no, him. No, it's it's because... he's the natural successor to take over that show. No, firstly, it's a daytime show. He works on nighttime shows. Secondly, yeah, no, but, no, 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 no. But he's after night time. You tend to promote to daytime. Yeah, but um, Alan just and that is his daytime. natural progression. But if you look at it, all the late over over in the states, it's worse than it is over here. But all the late night shows are a straight white man. All so you don't really want many on the daytime shows. Oprah's off the air now. I think Ellen Page would do it really well. Kate McKinnon, I think, could nail it. Also, I think you've vanished on me, so... um, I haven't vanished on you, I'm here. Oh, I, my laptop just cut out, so I thought you'd vanished on me. No, I'm right here, mm. Ben, hello. No, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just think those are all a bit bland. I mean, there's got to be some inspired pick. I mean, if they could manage to persuade Graham Norton to go over the pond, that would be great. Yeah, I don't like Graham Norton. Yeah, I don't get how anyone can not like Graham Norton. But the on... only reason I would want Graham Norton to, to take it over is so he can leave his Radio 2 show. Let's look at who the internet says Alan should replace the replacement. But apparently James Corden's a bit of an arse to work with as well. Yeah, I can I can imagine. I mean, I like James Corden, but he's a bit... So do I. I can imagine he's a bit of a... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Who's the internet saying? Okay, I'm loading one. Okay. <laughs> Ellen Page coming up who I said should do it. Kate McKinnon's coming up, who I said should do it. Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes would be excellent at it. Do you know who she is? No. She's an American comedian who has been in literally so many shows. She was in The Marvelous Maisel recently. She's been in Blackish. If you've watched any of her sets, which are on Netflix, she is so funny. I would be so down for a Wanda Sykes doing it. And she's a bit like... So, uh... She's a cross between Ellen and Oprah, so I think she could nail that. So there is a lot of options. I'm sure so many people want it. And if Ellen does decide to leave or get, get or sacked, sacked, we will, of course, uh, keep you updated here on the Article Film Podcast. Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. I've really enjoyed your company for the past 31 minutes. Yep. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening. Uh, two weeks' time, remember, we are going to be doing... Howl's Moving Castle. And next week's uh, the first binge of the week we've done in a while, so if you're yes, running out of TV recommendations. Exciting. Yeah, that is all going to be happening next week on the Articu Film Podcast. Goodbye. Bye.